podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 180 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also, Fanatics, joining myself and Pete on this Sunday morning is uh, obviously one of the old stalwarts of the of the show. It's it's Phil Haywood. Phil, how are you on this uh, glorious Sunday morning post Stoke? Yeah, morning, Mike. Morning, Pete. Now it's uh, great to be back on. I've been on for a while, lads. Um, Things have got in the way, um, and you know it's just good to be back on, um, especially after the, the the first couple of preseason games. It's nice to to jump on before the season starts. That's it. You know things things obviously now starting to ramp up. We we'll be back in our in our weekly slot now after a sort of sporadic recording um, over the over the course of the summer, um, and we we certainly are now at the at the business end of, of preseason with Everton with just just the one game to go. Next weekend against against Sport and Lisbon, and it's been a uh, obviously the first preseason under Sean Dyche. We we got a one nil winner last gas winner at uh, at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium yesterday. Um, obviously, Amadou Nana just bundling the ball over the line. Um, but you know, let, let's let's have a bit of a chat around preseason, really. Um, what's been your thoughts, Pete, on on how things have, have played out? Obviously. Where we are at the moment, we, we've had a, had a quick chat over the course of the summer in terms of players coming in. Obviously, Ashley Young and, and Dan Juma are both through the door. Dan Juma got his first minutes against Stoke yesterday. What's been your take so far on pre-season with, with, with one game to go? I don't want to go down a sort of over overly negative route. Um, but have you got any concerns in terms of where we, where we currently are? Well, I, I'll try my best to, to start off from a, a balanced place, and I, I think, you know, one positive is that there's been an abundance of clean sheets. And I, I think we, you know, we're looking organised and it looks like we're starting to build a, a team identity again. And it's an opportunity for, you know, for, for Daesh and the staff to communicate to the players what it means to play in his system. Um, so I think from the point of view of you know consistency and actually having a preseason, that seems to be in place, and we do seem to have a you know a core group of the first team that that have been available for these games. Obviously, the the elephant in the room that is probably going to dominate this podcast is goals and uh, and a striker, and you know we we've always said in terms of this window. You know, when other players have been coming through, you know, particularly, you know, Ashley Young, you know, the Dan Jume alone, these could be really, really smart signings if we sign a striker. Or again, it, it you know, it, it could be evidence that the club just don't seem to be able to to learn the lesson or solve this problem for, for whatever reason. And I think all of us, the longer the preseason window goes on and that, you know, the answer to that dilemma isn't revealed, you can't help but breed a bit of negativity or um you know get a bit nervous because you ideally you want your squad all together before the first game of the season um and looking at the lineup for the game yesterday 
which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute where you know Dan Juma kind of starts in that central position I think I, I said to to you guys and a couple of other Blues you know I wouldn't be too surprised if this is more or less the team going into Fulham and, and this is what we see from a um, a, a striker point of view potentially Dan Juma being in that position or being asked to kind of fulfil that role which could potentially be quite a a difficult, frustrating start for him and for Evertonians, um, and I hope that isn't the way it goes. But I, I think that's my concern at the moment, and I think the sad thing about it is it kind of overshadows some of the the more positive elements of pre-season, like you know actually you know being competitive, being organised, stringing clean sheets, uh, you know looking like a team again. So we just need to get it sorted, don't we? Yeah, of course. There's there's still plenty of work to do in the transfer market, that's for sure. Um, but I mean, what what I would sort of caveat any kind of maybe negative slants on things with from, from all those really is that during preseason, obviously the players are at training at a different intensity. They're being obviously put through a lot of work at the training ground. Sometimes the the training the morning of a preseason game. And then obviously go, going and playing in, in a preseason game. So when it comes to the, the preparation for matches, when it comes to to being worked hard to build up that that preseason and that early season fitness, it's different to what happens over the course of the season. So we've got to remember that the players have got a lot of miles and a lot of minutes in the legs over the course of the last few weeks. Also with obviously preseason games, we all know obviously the the famous. Uh, Gaffer Day that Sean Dice does and things like that. And and I think both both Ian Wone and Steve Stone have both alluded to the emphasis on on the players being the fittest team in the Premier League. So I think we have to remember that when it comes to pre-season performances, that does have, you know, does take its toll on, on what we actually see. However, however, I was at obviously at Stoke yesterday. You were at uh, Bolton uh in the week as well, Phil and I think it's still evidence on what 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 Pete was saying saying there. Obviously, a lack of goals is always a, the concern, isn't it? And, it? and it has been with Everton, you know, bar that sort of anomaly against Brighton last season, near the back end of the season. We do struggle and we have struggled to score goals consistently over the last probably couple of seasons, really. And when you've got Dominic Calvert Lewin, who he was he was pictured obviously in in full training. The, the day before the game. So hope hopes were raised that he might play some kind of part against Stoke and he wasn't in the squad. Um when you've obviously had him injured and up to now, yet we brought in Dan Juma, we haven't brought in a central striker in the mold of Dominic Calvert Lewin. Those concerns will will remain because whether or not Everton are firing all cylinders because of pre-season training. Yesterday and, and at Bolton, those two games certainly spring to mind. We scored one goal against Wigan and we scored two goals against a, a, a second division outfit, if you like, in our first pre-season game over in Switzerland. We haven't been creating a great deal, have we really? Which which is is the, the major concern. And you can understand why it, it does does concern Evertonians at the moment. Yeah, I I, um, I totally agree with what Pete said there. I said uh, what, what he said about obviously Dan Juma playing up front. And it could potentially be the Fulham lineup. I think is he going with that in case we don't get someone in on uh, before Fulham? And everyone knows the job. It's, obviously, it's a close knit group. I think it's always we've always had, apart from obviously the silly seasons under Cumin and, and things like that. Marco Silva, 
we've always had it as a close knitted squad. That's why Moyes always did so well. But I think the difference with with, with that era now, we've always had a goal scorer. Or we always had people who could score goals from midfield. Obviously, we've got neither. We might get the odd midfielder who chips in with three or four, obviously, like last season. Um, but we haven't got that focal point at all. And I think everyone's very positive what I was speaking to at Bolton, that Dice will set us up well. He'll have us organised. He'll go game by game. He won't look too far ahead. And he will literally take points each game. And I think he did tighten that up uh, definitely last season, the away games. We, we nicked a few points away from home. And like you said, Mike, about the Brighton game. Um, but when we do break the lines... It, it, there's just nothing there or I think the fans uh, they know that nothing's going to come from it and it's just a hope that we're going to nick something and I think that's the famous saying we cheer for a corner or we cheer for you know because we don't get many or we don't make, make the most of, of, of them anyway um, I, I, I do I do worry I do worry uh, certainly with, with the striking options and, and we are predictable I think I said it last year um, and I think other teams not um, it's highlighted for the teams Everton have to score the first goal and if teams start fast against us and score Everton won't score two so Everton have to score the first goal and I think that puts a lot of pressure on players but also I think the players know exactly their roles and they do the basics well yeah, I think I think you're right, and and you said you said before we started to record today that about obviously with, with Sean Dyche and we've we've learned obviously now what what he's all about. He he will have them obviously obviously well drilled, and and if we can stay in games, like you say, we keep it at nil nil and get the first goal, then then obviously then it gives us a really a really good chance, and and you know to, to be fair to him, you know I think that. It's important that we're not sitting here judging pre-season and judging him because the, let, let's let's get it right. Results don't mean anything at all. We, we've over the years how many good pre-seasons have we had and then gone into the season and been absolutely terrible and not picked up points. How many bad pre-seasons have we had and then started the season well? So it doesn't really sort of have, have a great bearing. But I think you know after what we've had, what we've been saved up over the last two seasons, that the hope was that we you know we got a striker in fairly early. We we had sort of four four signings in at least before the start of the season, with maybe a couple more coming in at the back end of the transfer window. As things stand at the moment, we haven't got that. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago before the Fulham game, but you want to bed players in. You know, you you want to have players there for as long as possible over the, the course of pre-season to develop relationships with players that are going to be playing alongside and understanding what the manager expects of them. And as as we stand at the moment, for me personally, I, I I'd like to see obviously a striker through the door. And also a centre half through the door before before the Fulham game. They, they for me, they, they're two key positions, you know. And we 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 welcome back Jared Brantwaite yesterday. Great for him to get forty five minutes. I think bar one one little wobble, he looked he looked strong, left footer. So it, it provides balance at the back as well. Um, we know Michael Keane's shortcomings. We know he's very much a confidence player. My concerns around the the centre half position are. If, if James Tarkovsky gets injured and you've got Brantwaite and Keane, that concerns me because Michael Keane struggles at the best of times but needs someone who talks and is a leader alongside him. If you take that away and have Brantwaite with the best will in the world, he could become a top centre-half, but he's still very, very young. That's a huge concern. So we've got to get another centre-half in, for me, as, as a matter of agency. Not quite as agency, agency as uh, the centre-forward position, but it's up there. It really, really is. 
Um, so, you know, it's one of those where we we are seeing and we did see yesterday, bar probably Onana, who when he came on, I thought was 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 probably a standout. And we got his goal, but I just thought he, he brought a calmness to proceedings. He controlled the midfield that rubbed off on the likes of the core and, and Garner Gay. And it gives us give us that little bit of a presence in the middle of the pitch. I think he will come in. So that 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 start eleven yesterday, take out James Garner, put in Amadou Onana, and that'll be what we what we have against Fulham as things currently stand. Um, which is a little bit frightening, but obviously the the fact that the majority of those players have worked with with Sean Dice now for quite a long period, you know what to expect. I've also got that little bit of confidence that that we will be in. Look, looked that little bit better than we did at the back end of of last season. But what what what's 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 your take, Pete, on on the situation in regards to to transfers? We we want to spend the second half of of, of obviously the the show talking about that that striking position and and what's gone on and and who we could be looking at to to, to bring in. What's your take overall in in terms of the, the transfer side of things? Because like I said, we are going to be missing a couple as things currently stand before before that Fulham game. Are you, are you concerned the fact that, and we've discussed this on the, on the last the last show as well, are you concerned that Everton are going to leave it late again in the window in terms of, you know, getting to that last sort of week of the transfer window and trying to bring in two, three or four players and potentially then sort of throwing away some some early points and early momentum in, in the Premier League season? Yeah, it's, it's a massive concern. It's a massive concern and I, I think... In the podcast after we signed Ashley Young, I, I said, you know, it, it, it's a stroke of genius. And I said earlier on this podcast, if if we manage to sign a striker, and, and the danger is we go into, you know, the so-called transfer deadline day, and it starts to kind of dawn on all Evertonians that we're not going to bring anybody in. And I think that's kind of been what's happened the previous two windows, really. We've, we've tried to have realistic hopes. I don't think anybody's... You know, got pie in the sky ideas that were going to sign and you know an established kind of fifteen to twenty goal striker. I think we're we're looking for someone that's fit, hungry, and competitive. But I think to to get to the point where you realise that, that the club just aren't going to bring anybody in for for whatever reason, it is is undefendable. Um, and I think when you go over previous windows. Look, we don't know the full extent of the picture, but I think the consensus is huge mistakes have been made in those cases. So it it gets it gets less and less acceptable every window. You know, yeah, yeah, we're in a really difficult financial position, but um, you know, look look at Wolves; they've just had to sell uh, sell Jimenez. They're selling players to you know due, due to their restrictions. Are they going to end up going into the season without? You know any established or fit centre forward? I don't. I don't think they are. So I don't understand why this keeps. It, it keeps happening to Everton. To Everton, you know, we we know the problems that we have. I I just don't understand it. So the the longer this goes on, the more nervous everybody gets. And you're not telling me for a minute. You're not telling me for one moment. This isn't in the minds of the players. That. The players know how reliant we are on Calvert Lewin, and that we are a different team when he's fit and he's able to start. Um, it, we, we're just able to to play a completely different game, and it's like Phil's, it, Phil was spot on earlier when he said, "Look, when we break the lines and we don't have a centre forward, someone that can link the play, hold it, 
just be physical, you know, run, make something happen, make it, you know, make it stick, flick it on. When we don't have that, it, it's just terrible to watch, you know, because you, you're in games of football, we, we, we come further and further back and you think, how are we going to get out? You know, what, what are we going to get from this game? And then like Phil said, it becomes reliant on, you know, a corner or a set piece or, or a bit of luck. And I think when you're in a relegation scrap and you, you've, you've got that fight, you, you know, you, you can make things happen or you can get a bit of momentum, but it's just a terrible, terrible way to start, uh, to start a Premier League season, isn't it? When you, you need that momentum, you need that established base, like you were saying, Mike. So, I'm really, really concerned, and I, I think it's difficult not to be overly negative and not, um, you know, kind of get completely hopeless about it. I think that's the the position that we all try to avoid. But we've got the legacy of the past kind of two or three windows behind us, and you know, sadly, this seems to be a a feature of the present Everton regime, doesn't it? Um, so I, I hope the club managed to to work to work out something different. Um, but it, you know, it, it doesn't help when stories seem to, you know, be, be leaked out along the lines of the, the recruitment team put forward, uh, you know, two centre forward options, and it was, let's say, the, the the team, the the club leadership, not the scouting team, that decided to opt with Mope based on his Premier League experience. I mean, that it just gives you no confidence at all in in the process. Um, so I, I just hope the club have learned the lesson and I, I lose count of how many times I've said that statement and you know other people have said that statement on the, on this podcast or you know on um, kind of other Everton fan media I think we're just thoroughly sick and fed up of the, the journey that we've been on and we're waiting for, for something different to happen we're waiting for the story to change and I just really hope that the the club managed to do something. I think. I think you know history certainly is what what plays into the minds of of all Evertonians really when it comes to, to transfers and recent history in particular. And as you say, people any of those stories about last season and Mopey coming in over over certain other players, and and you just think you know that the the, uh, the scouts and and Kevin Fellwell appear to be doing their job and they're, they're presenting players of a particular. Um, obviously, particular playing style that, that should fit into the manager's way of playing, and they're being knocked back. It appears um, by people above them, which is not really well. It's not. It's not how the uh, director of football system should should work. You know, it, it shouldn't be working that way. And and if they're coming with players, what what should be happening is financially, it should be getting so yes or no that you know we can do that deal or we can't do that deal. It shouldn't be. Well, we're not getting him. We're going to get somebody else. Here's another player. So you know, we, we could spend all day discussing, obviously, that side of things. But again, what what I would say is, other sides are in similar positions in terms of frustration. You know, I've I've heard from from various other sets of fans and uh, from other clubs who, who do obviously fan fan media stuff and West Ham fans aren't particularly happy. They just sold Declan Rice for 105 million pound. And up to now, they brought in, I think, a, a young lad from Cliftonville in, in Ireland. That That's all that they brought in. Crystal Palace have lost, obviously, uh, Wilfred Zaha. You've got Elise, who's been linked with the move away, but was also injured. And they've so far just brought in Jefferson Lerma on a free. You mentioned Wolves. Wolves have sold a lot of players for, for quite a lot of money. 
and they brought in, I think, three players, one of those being from Northampton, one being Matt Doherty coming back on a three, and then he spent £9.5 million on, on uh, Bubacar Traore from Met. So I think a, a lot of sides are in similar positions, and I think the whole situation surrounding Everton being referred to this independent panel regarding potential financial breaches, I think a lot of sides all of a sudden are starting to think, hang on, we, we've got to be. We've got to be careful here now. Um, and, and that is playing into the minds of, of clubs. Not so much your clubs at the at the upper end of the table, I might add, but other sides are, are being a little bit more a little bit more careful. Um but I think, you know, overall, I'm gonna we'll take a break in, in a second and I'm gonna discuss the the striker situation in a bit more detail. But overall, in terms of my opinion on preseason, is that from a positive aspect, it's been, you know, clean sheets pretty much across the board bar bar one game, isn't it? Um, we seem to have a sort of central core of players, like you said, and we seem to have probably now a settled 11, which was what we saw yesterday, but with, with Onana coming in for, for James Garner. I'd like to think, I mean, ask you this one, Phil, in terms of the centre-half position, obviously we saw Michael Keane start with, with Tarkovsky. I think he'll start against Fulham regardless. Would you like to see Sean Dice just go and say, right, and Blood and Jared Branthwaite, who had a decent season at PSV, won some silverware, got decent reviews. Would you like to see the manager just go, do you know what? After watching Michael Keane last season, dropped him in the end, didn't he? Um, I mean, I, I, I saw him up close and personal yesterday, and do I call him players out, but I think he massively struggled. I really do. I think just decision-making, and um, he certainly wasn't at the top of his game yesterday. Would you like to see the manager just go, do you know what? Balance purposes. This kid, obviously, he's a big lad now. He's filled out even, you know, even more. Just throw him in against Fulham. Um, totally, Mike. Again, I agree with you, Mike. I think you will go with Michael Keane. But on your question, it reminds me a bit like Jaggy Elker and Stones and the fact that Tarkowski, the leader, uh, like Jaggy Elker was, um, nurturing Stones. But then you obviously we have Baines on one side, a lot of experience international, but we've got Ashley Young on one side as well. So either side, you've got an Ashley Young and a Tarkowski and no bet and Pickford behind you. They're three real stalwarts that I'm going to gate possibly in front of you. A lot of protection there, a lot of a lot of voices talking to him. And like you said, kick it, head it, there's a balance. It wouldn't surprise me, mate, if he if if he did put him in as well as as um start maybe Michael Keane. Will will he will he do it now? Would I like to say yes? Um just because I think Everton needs to now uh, look at something different, like you said, mate. If Tarkowski does get injured, or there's you know an Ashley Young injury or whatever, we haven't got that vocal presence, and we're quite weak in um, in that respect. And I think you only get better by playing games, and you know there's only so much you can watch from the sideline. These players, so playing in a Premier League game, and again, I think we've got a nice start as well. It would be a nice time to maybe throw them in and and learn and get that experience, mate. Yeah. What do you think, Pete, on, on the Branthwaite situation before we, we have a have a short break? Because I, obviously I, I saw him yesterday, got 45 minutes, thought he acquitted himself pretty well. Um, obviously, like I said, pre-season is always difficult to, to to judge, but by all accounts, you know, he, he got a lot of game time over in, in Holland. I think that, you know, it was another, it was good use of the low market. I think Everton are improving in, in that side of things now with the younger players we, we've just seen again. Obviously, Lewis Warrington's joined Plymouth and, and Stan Mills got a goal yesterday 
on his on his Oxford debut as well. So we're we're starting to see now Everton's younger players be loaned correctly, um, and it certainly worked for Branthwaite last season, didn't it? Would would do you want to see him start against Fulham? Do you, do you think that like 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 Phil said there, you know, take take a bit of a risk, take a bit of a gamble? Do you want to see the manager just 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 sort of roll the dice? Roll the dice. I was going to say, roll the uh, roll the dice the dice a little bit and throw Branthwaite in, take Keane out of the situation. Um, and and like like Phil said, really valid point there. He's got leaders all around him, hasn't he? Ashley Young, James uh, James Tarkowski, Jordan Pickford, Garner Gay. It could work, couldn't it? Definitely, yeah. I'd, I'd definitely be, be team Brad's weight. And I think, like like you say, he's earned the right to start. You know, is, is it that much of a gamble? He's, you know, he's had a, a full, not just a full season under under his belt uh, playing for, for PSV, but by all accounts, they wanted to keep him. Um, you know, a, re- a really successful season. Playing football in a successful winning team, I know it's a different league, I know it's a different level, but... Uh, but it sounds like exactly what he needed for his, uh, you know, for his development. And b- before we went on loan, I- I've been broadly really impressed with him, really, really Im- impressed with the the football he's already played for Everton. So I think he he very much d- deserves uh, the, the potential of of starting. And I think it would be good for the squad again to, to have to have another player in there who's. You know, who's hungry? Who wants to develop? Who wants to win? Who wants to learn? Um, and I completely agree with uh, what Phil was saying about you know who he potentially have either side of him. And uh, Tarkovsky, obviously Pickford behind him, Young, he's in a really good position to um, you know to learn and to be supported. But I, I also agree with Phil. I, I just can't see Sean Dyche doing it. Um, I think he'll he'll stick with not not what he knows, but he, he you know he's he's made. Um, He's made it very clear that he he favours Michael Keane and he really you know he really rates him highly. I just hope that Michael Keane gets off on on the right foot uh, because you know I, I like Michael Keane as well, but I, I think a lot of Evertonians would agree with me that he's he's frequently got a mistake in him um, and he's very much a confidence player and I, I think it can be a bit of a vicious cycle for Michael Keane that w- once he makes a mistake, his his game's gone then. And I, th- I think if he gets if he gets to a games without that happening, he can be exceptional. He can be excellent, um, but it's it's often one or the other with him. And I, th- I think you, you're never too sure what Michael Keane you you're going to get. But when you know when you know you get the Michael Keane with the mistake, I think it can kind of filter around the stadium. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 not it's not good for that to be our our starting point or our number one choice. I don't, I don't, I don't think. To just on there as well, lads, as well. I, I'd I'd be worried if we did struggle and then we threw Bramfleet in. It would it could be a good platform to start him. Obviously, he was in Europe as well last year with PSV, and obviously he's been obviously the young England under twenty ones. Albeit he didn't play a lot of matches, um. So he has been around a lot of you know decent football last season, as Pete said, alluded to PSV. Obviously, he wasn't the Europa League or in Europe, and then obviously with the under twenty one. I just think if we did start bad. Is that a good thing to just throw him in in five games time or six? Is it a good benchmark to, you know, like you said, the people around him? It, it, it's a good. He seems quite confident. He seems a lot more confident than a Godfrey or a Hogue. You know, I just think that's maybe our next step as a club as well to maybe put him in there. I, I, yeah, I think he, he does show that little bit of confidence, you know, and, and I think that would, a lot of that would have been gained from 
from going away and as a young lad taking that step and, and playing in a, in a different country, which a lot of young players don't do. You know, it's very much a case of we use the English club loan system and players just don't take that step. English players just don't really take that step and go go abroad, whether it be on loan or, or permanent transfers. You know, how many English players are playing the football abroad on a permanent basis? There's not a great deal. You know, it's it, it's amazing, really. So, so for him, most definitely, I, I agree. He's he's got confidence. I think he's a good footballer. He's he's neat and tidy. Obviously, last time you really saw him was when he got sent off against Brentford, wasn't it? At the back end of obviously the the uh, the two thousand and twenty one twenty two season, you know, which was a, a rough time for us all, of course. But you know, he got he got done by Ivan Tony, didn't he? And, and and got himself sent off. And you know, we would have learned from that. You know, he's taken a good twelve months away and and played a lot of football. Like you say, he's been been around success. They they won the the Dutch Cup, didn't he? Off the, off the top of my head, he's just won the England, uh, just won the under twenty one European Championships. So you know, success breeds success, and and having players who are who are winning things can only help us. I think, even though they are young players, um, I think it's I think he he will have really matured and and will be feeling massively confidence in his in his game. So. I'd love, you know, I'd love against sport and, you know, to to give him the nod, you know, that that that'll probably give us a the a sign of intent from the mind. Yeah, I think the side that starts next Saturday at Goodison Park against Sport and Lisbon will be the side that we will see start against Fulham, um, unless something really drastic happens in the last sort of few days of the transfer market. So let's see what happens next weekend. Let's see if he gets the nod, uh, and that'll that'll tell us what the mind is really thinking before before that Fulham game. Um, but like I said, obviously all the talk is around the, the lack of action in terms of bringing in a, a striker to the club. There's been a lot of talk. There's been there was a huge link over the last sort of seven days or so, um, which which Everton appeared close to be getting over the line. It didn't happen. So we're going to take a short break and discuss our, our striking options and the frustration we're finding within the transfer market. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast, and it's. Uh, all eyes on the on the striking department. Um, when the season ended last season, obviously first thoughts were transfer market. We've got to bring in a goal scorer. You know, one reason is obviously Dominic Calvert Lewin has suffered a lot with injuries. He's not played any any minutes as we speak today uh, in pre season. He, he is back in training. He, he was photographed and videoed Finch Farm involved in full trade Thursday and Friday. Um, but yet he's not yet taken that step onto the onto the pitch. We hope to see him at Goodison Park next weekend. But also we needed a, another striker in regardless because we're we're so so low on numbers up there. Obviously Ellis Sims now gone on a permanent deal to Coventry. Neil Mope certainly isn't the answer. Um, so we've got to get somebody somebody else in. And, and we saw we saw at Stoke yesterday. Dan Juma was was obviously given the nod to start start up top and. And what I found watching watching Dan Juma is he wanted to come away from the central spot. He wanted to go to go left and get involved in the play. He was almost at times going anywhere other than than centrally. And this is not a pop at him. It's just not his natural game. So I think you know if, if he's looking to get involved with play, and he was probably getting a bit frustrated because the first half nothing was being created at all, and, and it's difficult. And at times when he was making runs into the box, the balls that were coming in from wide areas weren't great, or so they just weren't coming in. So I understood his frustration there, but we do need somebody who is naturally suited to and naturally understands what it is to play as a central striker. We saw last week 
Everton were heavily linked to Elber Altore from Almeria. There was a lot of talk around that. Everton had been accepted by all accounts. Uh, the player chose to go to Atalanta, cutting a very long story short. I don't even think it's been announced yet, but he's definitely over there doing his medicals. Um, so that was a, a long-term target for Everton. Could have had him last, last summer for €8 million. Euros. That's what Pete was alluding to earlier on in the show in terms of um, other people making decisions and, and going over the, the recruitment team and Kevin Thelwell's head and, and bringing in Neil Mopay for the likes of Elba Altori for €8 million. Euros. Could have had a season to settle into the Premier League. Would have been a great deal for all concerned. Didn't happen. We went back in this summer for a, a much more inflated price. And obviously, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to get that deal done. Everton with confidence. Everton, I think, offered them more money than, than Atalanta. But you can't blame the kid for, for not coming, to be honest. You know, Atalanta have got a great pedigree of developing young, young talent and then, then moving on to even bigger things. So um, he, he stayed clear of the circus of Everton Football Club and, and who can blame him? We haven't got a choice, but, but he has. So I think, I mean, the manager did say yesterday, that you know we've missed out on targets. He was one of those targets. I think that he was, he was alluding to, and it would have been a difficult window. It's a tough market. Uh, this is this is a direct quote. It's a tough market. There's only so much that we can do. So we're working very hard. I can show everyone that to construct deals that can work. I think that with Elba Altore, there was a small down payment, which a lot of maybe smaller European clubs are quite happy to take. So the overall deal can be fairly hefty. But the initial outlay is, is small. It, it worked with Amadou Onana last summer, same kind of situation with Lille. Um, so it leaves us in, in a predicament, really, doesn't it, Phil? Because, like we said already, we are short. We we are lacking a cutting edge up top. Um, and and losing out on a, on a long-term target is, is always frustrating. Obviously for the club, of course, but as fans, when you, you're willing a deal to get over the line, you're willing for a player to come in who, who is a striker, this is why the you know people start to get a bit nervous and start to get frustrated, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's more kicking the teeth, uh, Mike, because obviously we've been crying out for a striker since you know I'm getting bored of even thinking about it now. But I think that's why it becomes more frustrating because that's exactly what we need. And as Pete was alluding to earlier in the podcast, that we are structured and we we are balanced and you know we have a close knitted group. That's the um, that the final piece of the jigsaw. Um, is, is what we need and when you hear it all over social media and then you come out and hear it more from the club that obviously we missed out on the targets and we were very close we could have had them last year um it's massively frustrating because that's exactly the, the again the piece we need to to complete our jigsaw for us to, to move on as a club and try and get us away from the doldrums of the bottom four the bottom five and you know it just takes one one sign and like like that like we, we saw we, we were in a great side you know, in 98, and then we signed Kevin Campbell, and one sign and one striker gets a few goals. It just rockets you, you know, for, for the next couple of seasons. So um, it is frustrating, and I'm sure Sean Dice will have other targets close to his chest. Um, but like you said, Mike, when it's your main target, which you've been after the last couple of, well, certainly 12 months, it is a, a kick in the teeth. And, and every side goes through it. Obviously, in this day and age, it's just that everything's out in the open, isn't it? Um, and, and I think that we were all excited. Obviously, Dan Juno came in. There was talk of, of this, this this sort of second sign and that the club were, were confident on, on getting through the door. Um, and obviously, you, you sort of build yourself up 
to to be knocked down. And at the time, you know, I think like you said on Twitter, you know, prepare to have your, have your heart broken because you know that it's it's just not going to happen. It's just it was always I think with with him in particular that was always a feeling that I got, or, or even from you know maybe so, some journalists outside of of this country that you don't really that you don't really trust. A lot of the talk was he prefers to go to Atalanta from from fairly early on. Um, so I, I never got sort of really, you know, felt it was going to happen personally. But when obviously you're so far down the line with the deal, and you know that the club have agreed to you know, to the price and and the structure of the deal, you, it does get your hopes up a little bit. But like like anyone, you know, how many of us have actually seen him in, in a great deal of detail? Not many, not many. You know, he, he didn't have a, have a great goal scoring record. I think the thing with players like Elbert Altsori is he's got such a high ceiling, which is you know we sat we. If we would have gone, it would have been probably a year too late in terms of to maximise our profits. However, he still could have gone on to, to do really, really big things. He's got great, great profile for the Premier League. I think ideal for what we were looking for. But it, you know, it wasn't meant to be, and we've we've got to move on. We've got to, we've got to move forward. But were you disappointed, Peter, in terms of obviously all the talk around it, all the positivity about potentially getting this player in? But were you very much sort of it was it a case of you were disappointed not to do it, or did you fully expect that it wasn't going to go through anyway? Yeah, d- disappointed but not surprised. Um, I, I think you know, with, particularly with with the with the Torre deal, um, and you know, as soon as you hear that Atalanta are, are involved, you you just got no hope that uh, that they'll will sign forever. And you know, particularly after as you say what happened in in previous windows and. The, the kind of skeptic in you thinks, well, are, are we just being used as a, uh, a, you know, another step on the ladder to improve his deal for for Atalanta that he's inevitably going to take, and you know, hopefully Everton have um, other targets on on the on the shortlist that we can go to next. But it's I suppose what's happened in previous windows is, you know, we, we've had a a main target we've gone for, we haven't got them, then we haven't got the next one. Then another name's mentioned. Then they go somewhere else, and then that's when it kind of starts to to dawn on you. Yeah, we're, we're not going to get anyone over the line here, so we just need to break break that cycle. Um, and you know, and I, I don't know how that happens. I mean, how how it happens is Everton sort of get ahead of the game, don't they? But it's um, at the moment, you know, we 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 are being linked to other strikers. Um, the latest on on Coletti and Acho from Leicester, by the way, just seen from BBC Sports, is Everton have got a mild incest, which is a new one. Um, there was, you know, if you got that on your on your transfer bingo card, then you're doing quite well with that. Um, but there's a mild incest in him. I think there's a, there's an incest there. Obviously, the talk is that we can get him for for about ten million pounds. Um, how much would Leicester want up front is is probably the the big question. How much can Everton do? At the moment, without selling again, obviously the Mari Gray is the most likely to be moved on. We haven't even seen him back at Finch Farm as of yet, mm. um, as we speak today. Um, so Ian Nacho and and, and Che Adams seem to be the two. If we're talking about the, the famous Premier League experience, um, they seem to be the two Phil that have, have been linked, not not heavily, but have certainly been in, in the in the uh, in the conversation over the last sort of week or so. Um, what, what's your take on that? Would would you be happy with either of them to, to come in as as another another striker, another body up front to, to be able to choose from? 
Do you know, I've always rated that in the Acho. I really have. Um, City, when he obviously a bit part player, um, but he'd still come on and score goals. Obviously, the abundance of talent around him helped helped that. But obviously, he was a young, bright kid. Um, then I went to Leicester, and obviously Leicester were doing well. And one of those teams, a bit like Everton of old, like in and around six to to eighth position. But again, I thought he balanced Vardy quite well. Quite intelligent kind of player, left footed. I think he's only 25, 26, I could be wrong. I think he's around that age bracket. So a 10 million, I I, I would really like Iniacho. I do think, I know that he had a great season last year, a few injuries, but every time I've seen him play, he's a, got a bit of a nasty side to him. He's got goals, he's intelligent, he brings people into play, he drops deep, allows runners to go past him. And I always like a left footed centre forward. Um, um, I just do, but I, I think you, I prefer him over Shea Adams. Shea Adams, is quite a oh, a lazy kind of link because it kind of suits our mould. Like cheap, um, he's been relegated. He's a big lad. He doesn't score many goals. He's not prolific. It'll probably be the one we actually get. To be fair, um, would it bother me? Um, it would worry me because I don't think his goal record, if even in his his good days, Sam's has been great. Um, all right, they've they've never been a, a top side. Southampton like Leicester have been um, compared to Iniacho, but I just I'm thinking he's similar build to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He can hold the ball up. He puts his head where it hurts. You know, he's a big strong lad. He's obviously an international now playing for Scotland. Um, I'm not sure the fee and what he would be, but obviously Southampton got relegated. I don't know his contract details, but um, would I be happy with either? Or I, I would prefer Iniacho if we got the Iniacho of previous to last season um, and his age and things. Shea Adams, uh, it's kind of a, oh, like like Pete said, you can't, you have one target, don't get him, you have another target, don't get him, have another target, and then you're just left with Shea Adams. Um, obviously, I'd give him a chance if he's wearing blue, but I think I wouldn't be. I don't think the, he'd win the, the crowd over, let's say that. Well, I mean, look, looking at the, just in, a, in a, a very, very basic comparison of the two, the, the the one to look at for me is, is minutes per goal in, in the Premier League. And Chadams is 213 minutes per goal, with Ian Nacho 123 minutes per goal, which is which is a decent that, that's a decent stat to be fair in terms of um you know how often he scores. 84 goals in, in 292 appearances for Ian Nacho and 39 and 166 for Adams, 39 assists also for, for Ian Acho compared to Adams, 15. Obviously, he's played more games in the Premier League, but his minutes per goal ratio is better. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a difficult one. I was out of the two, personally speaking, I think, yeah, Ian Acho for me would be would be the better the better one. He's played, you know, such a high level. Manchester City, of course, Leicester. You know, he's he's won, won things across the board, hasn't he? Um, another player who's, who's used to success. The Chathams link has, has been there for a number of years. I think when he was at Birmingham before he moved to Southampton, we were heavily linked with them then, weren't we? And it, and it didn't happen. It's just an easy link to make with them being relegated as well. And, you know, with him, I'm, I'm assuming, being available for transfer. Um, th- there's a long-standing interest there. Maybe lazy, but like you say, is he is he almost the, the sort of uh, the prize you get when you miss out on everybody else? Do you think, though, Mike, as well, and obviously we just see it as like players and, and what, the teams they've come from or play for is the brains behind the madness of the fact that Shea Adams wouldn't be going to the African Cup of Nations and Iniacho would. Obviously, we've got we mentioned off the part of the players that we've got. Would that go to his thinking? You don't know, do you? You just 
would you prefer Charlton because you've got them for the full season? I don't know. I think that's that's the concern we were saying before the start of the show that the African Cup of Nations obviously it comes partly through this season. Everton are going to lose players as it is anyway, in the likes of Decore, obviously plays for Mali. You've got you've got Garner Gay, you've got uh, Alex Obobi as well. So if you're looking then at bringing in any other players now, you know, do you look at it and think, well, you know, we're going to miss them potentially for sort of three, four, maybe more, more, more games than that at a pivotal time of the season? Um, does that come into your thinking, or or do you have to just say, well, who's the best option? In you know, in in the first sort of three or four months of the season, Ian natural could back you say seven or eight goals. Adams might score one or two. So in that time, you might you might win your points. So it's it's a difficult thing, but I, I do think that. It probably should come into the conversation. Um, maybe not so much between these two players, but I think looking looking further afield, I do think it's a it's a concern. What, what do you think, Pete, on that in terms of the African Cup of Nations? Because you mentioned that Ian Acho was another player who would who would go with with Nigeria. Um, would you would you sort of look to potentially do deals for players who are not going to be impacted by by travelling there and missing some some real key games? If I'm honest, it, it, it probably wouldn't be my um, kind of primary factor in, in making the decision between between those two players. I, I think I think we're probably all in agreement that if we had to pick between the two, uh, we, we would go with Ianacho because it, it, he's a true striker, isn't he? I think Che Adams is the type of player that's you know full of endeavour uh, and you know seems to rank very highly on. You know, for things like, you know, sprints and duels and, um, you know, contributions to to the team, but not necessarily goals. He's he's not a finisher, is he? Um, whereas I, I think Ian Acho is is a a, a rounded, typical, uh, you know, number nine with good technical ability uh, and and is you know is, is a proven goal scorer. Yeah, we might lose him if we did sign him uh, for a period of time. But I think you, you've got to look longer term, haven't you? And the hope might be that uh, you know Calvert-Lewin may be in a position to to have more consistency in the, in, in the team by then. Hopefully, if we could bring in a striker that's able to uh, not, not just necessarily be back up for Calvert-Lewin, but even potentially compete with him. Uh, obviously, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? Uh, so... It might not be top of my list. I'd be surprised if it was top of Sean Dyche's list, if, if I'm honest. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it if it factors into um, someone's decision making uh, elsewhere in the club. Let's say. Well, another player talking about obviously uh, the African Cup of Nations impact and, and obviously the striking position. Another player that we play that we've been heavily linked to in in, in recent days. Well, probably the last week or so, to be honest with you. Is a player now. We, we've been trying to get this name right before the start of the show, so I've been practicing this. Um, so it's, it's Boule Dia, and he plays for Salernitana in Italy. I think I've got that right, uh, and I'm only going to say it once in case I don't get it right again. So he has been linked quite heavily, and he's also been linked because they've shown an interest in Neil Mopey since January as well. So the, the, the thinking behind that is maybe we can include him. In some kind of uh, transfer package, I think it, at the a couple of days ago it was talk of a 16 million euro uh, deal was was rejected. Everton then went back and offered 18 million euros plus Neil Mopey into the into the deal. Whether that's a permanent deal or a loan, 
we don't know whether it's true or not. We don't know, but that, that's just been the tour, hasn't it? Um, now, a player, 26 years of age, Senegalese international, so obviously could be impacted again by, by going away to the African Cup of Nations. Stats last season were very impressive in, you know, for, for his side. That certainly weren't fighting at the top end of the table. Um, 33 games, 16 goals in, in Serie A. It is a, is a very, very good return with six assists as well. Phil, is that the kind of deal that we that you'd like to see us get done. Now, bear in mind, as we said, you know, earlier on in, in this half, a lot of European clubs who aren't at the higher end of, of their respective divisions, they are quite happy to take a lower initial down payment. That 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 deal seems to make sense, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, he's obviously a goal scorer. He's got good stats in a, in a side, potentially on power Everton, to be fair. Um and he seems to have the attributes that, that we're looking for in a striker. How, how good would it be to see that kind of deal go through and, and, and get him over the line? We are we are quite heavily linked. And for me, that that's that's quite a it's quite an exciting, quite an exciting deal for me that. No, no, I agree. What, what before the pod when you when you said about his stats, I was I was quite amazed really, because obviously a struggling side to, to get 16 goals and six assists, I think you said. That, that's some return. That for a team who obviously um, on a great side or where a struggling side. So obviously it's a similar mould to what Everton have been the last two years. Um, like you said, the down payments would, would be ideal for us. And obviously you can include a player obviously going the other way to obviously sweeten the deal. That that could that could be a real a real uh, gem, that really. Obviously no one's come across in the league. And because then potentially you could obviously you've got we've got two other loans we've got we could maybe loan one of the strikers that we've mentioned you don't know how that could forte or or, or see out but now that that sounds a, a really interesting it seems more positive and more and more on the edge of my seat listening to that than obviously Torre that's gone to Atalanta personally just because um the you know in a in a struggling side and and the, it fits the mold of Everton and the down payment situation now I, I I would be it's quite um. When I heard it this week, it was quite, um, and obviously here in the stats this morning, that's uh, quite made me on the edge of the seat, really. It's our, it's our, it's our Bills that Phil. Like I said, <laughs> he's really absolutely terrible. And he won't, <laughs> won't offer us anything at all. But no, but no, we, no all jokes aside, he, he does, he does seem to fit the bill, and it'd be good to see us potentially get that deal done. I'd certainly prefer going out and and, and getting that deal done. Ahead of well, ahead of Che Adams, you know, most definitely. To be fair to Ian Acho, I like Ian Acho, and and you know, if you're looking for someone with Premier League experience, who knows where the goal is, he's not a bad option at all. To be to be perfectly honest with you, um, I'd even take Jamie Vardy to be honest as well. Um, you know, he'd do a job for it for a year, wouldn't he? And I think they're going to want a small, a small down payments or a small amount of money full stop for Jamie Vardy. But then the concerns around him are um, the wages side of things. I think are quite are quite big. Amongst amongst other things, um, so yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna run over the next probably couple of weeks or so. We've got to hope, haven't we, Pete, that we get we get a deal over the line before this Fulham game because we'll be going to Fulham, and we've got obviously we assume Dan Juma will probably start up top. Uh, Dominic Cabot Loon, we hope fingers crossed get some game time against Sport and Lisbon next week, which which then means that if we need to try and change things up. It's a much more positive situation to bring on Dominic Calvert Lewin off the bench than it would be to bring off the bench a Neil Mope type figure. But we've got to try and get get a deal done, haven't we? For for the right strike, if there's someone who can come in, hit the ground running, 
you know, get us get us some important goals early on. To get that, that player done before Fulham will give us all, I think, a real boost, wouldn't it? De- definitely, mate. So, I, you know, I look forward to seeing this this dire start from Nottingham Forest next season. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, it, it, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if if we if we signed someone that was was let's say a, a gamble or, or an unknown based on a scouting profile? How refreshing would it be for us to have a podcast saying, um, "Look, how's how's it worked out for this for this signing made off the off, off the back of our you know our, our scouts or the, the new direction the club are going in?" Rather than, you know, how's this stupid decision being made or, you, you know, people within the club seem to be across purposes. It, it would be great to go in to that Fulham game not just with additional recruitment but additional recruitment that comes from more of a stable base um but i i, compl- I completely agree with you you know like like, like we said earlier we, it, it would be really unfortunate i, I think all round if we're putting dan juma in, in the position of having to to play his first game for everton in a, a position that isn't his natural position that doesn't play to his strengths were you know, likely he's he's going to have some teething problems, and he's going to fall into patterns of play that you know are more in line with the with the positions that he favours and he's used to playing. Because it will just probably be a frustrating experience all round, and we're not going to get the 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 best version of Everton or the best version of Dan Juma and all of that stuff. It, it just you know filters throughout the squad, um, you know, throughout throughout the stadium, throughout the fan base. So. It, it would be great to go into Fulham with with the team that likely we're going to have uh, for the rest of the season, um, and with a you know a, a central striker who is going to fulfil that role. Um, but I, I'm not hopeful, uh, and I hope I'm wrong. Well, when we're speaking next weekend after the the Sport and Open game, we've, we've been pleasantly surprised in the next the next week or so uh, because we are back to Goodison Park next next week, and and obviously it's always always exciting to get back in to to our um, to our home, of course, and with with what could be the last full season at, at Goodison Park. So it's it's promising to to be potentially an an, an emotional time. I hope it's a very very um, laid back and and less exciting. We'll say exciting. Less uh, anxiety-inducing season than we've had the last two seasons. That's for sure. Just one nice, nice little quiet season where we finish about twelfth, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be fairly satisfied with that. But obviously, we are back there ne- next weekend. As we know, Phil, we're, we're going to see uh, Jahagaz probably score a hat trick, um, <laughs> given how heavily linked we were, we were to him. Um, but you're looking forward to getting back into into Goodison Park, and obviously. On the on the eve of the Premier League season, almost kicking off again. It's all it's always good. Whatever's happened in the previous season, it's always good. You've got that optimism, haven't you? When you when you get back into Goodison Park for the season ahead. Yeah, it's one of my. Do you know what, Mike? Pete, it's one of my favourite games. The um, we always get a European home. You know, before the start of the season, and like you said, even season's gone by, you still come full of optimism. Like I, I still will be. I always am. Do you know what I mean? But. You see, you know, you see people around you you haven't seen, you know, all summer. You talk and and uh, you see the players back again. You see Sean Dice on the sideline. It's always been uh, a game I really do look forward to. To be fair, and like you said, it could be potentially the last one, couldn't it? So um, it'll be an extra special this time. It certainly will. It certainly will. And when uh, when the sirens kick in and and Zed Cars obviously follows, um, it's always. Uh, 
a goosebump moment, isn't it? Um, whatever, whatever the occasion. So we look forward, look forward to getting back to to Goodison Park next weekend. We hope that by that time we, we've got a, a striker either through the door or very close to being through the door. We hope to see Dominic Calvert Lewin, of course, get his, his first bit of game time of a pre-season as well. Uh, but before we finish, just a reminder for those who like to take part in this. Fantasy Football League is is out. The Unalternity Podcast Premier, as it's been known for the last last couple of years, um, Lee's taken the, the last couple of titles, so he's um, he needs to be knocked off his perch. Keeps on saying that we owe him a prize because he's won, but uh, we're refusing to pay out, of course. Um, Seventy five pounds the winner, not to, not to be sniffed at. So if you want to get involved with that? All the uh, the links are on Twitter. On our on our pin tweeters and also join the link and there's also there's also a code as well for anybody who who does want to join. So if you go to Premier League, you go to PremierLeague.com, go to the to the fantasy section of the Premier League, and put in put in the code three F three U E nine. That will then allow you to join to join our league. All three in charge, of course. Um, and keep your eyes out as well on Twitter for, for future competitions. We've, we've all done a home share competition. Uh, the person picked the, the goalkeeper share, which is not, it's, it's a classic, by the way. Um, the, the away share competition, which was drawn on Friday, they picked the away share, so that'll be sent out at the start of this week. And when that third share gets dropped, looks like it's going to be the 86 Denmark style. That's that template, white and grey, we think, but don't quote me on it. Um, that's going to be dropping shortly, hopefully. We'll be doing a conversation for that one as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Loads of things going on. Premier League season's nearly upon us. Uh, might see a good some part next weekend for Sport and Lisbon. If not, we'll catch you next week for the uh, for the end of the pre-season podcast and also a look ahead to our first Premier League game of the season at home to Fulham. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues. Three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.